Hello, everybody. Welcome to Barbecue Chicken. This is episode 2.2, Adding Coal. This is going to be our redo, our promised remake of the two guards, our favorite two guards of all time. Uh, as we stated before in the Battle for LA, we did this once, screwed it up, so we're back to do it again. This is KMFN, and that's Big Rob. Say what up. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? I tinkered with my audio, so hopefully this will be a better listening experience on my end. Um, I'm excited to get this underway. How about you, Big Ken? Yeah, man, I think you sound a lot better than you did on that second episode. And again, forgive us. We're still putting this all together, trying to figure it all out right alongside with you guys here. So your feedback and your comments on the Facebook page definitely help us grow and help us learn. And so before we get into those two guards, I wanted to uh, remind ourselves, myself, you and the listeners, Rob, that this show is more than just about basketball. We chose basketball as the basis because it's something that Rob and I can uh, conversate about for days on end but I wanted to bring up a topic here that is very near and dear to my heart and I know you and I have gone back and forth with this for a while so let's share some of this perspective about the landscape of dating these days and how much it has changed from uh, when we started as teenagers uh, you know trying to do our thing and kind of to where things are now so I know a lot of it's online and that's a space that you typically feel more comfortable in than I do. So what are your thoughts on the landscape today? I think the landscape of dating mirrors the landscape of the NBA. It's kind of like the wild Bob West. Um, And I do believe in many ways it's easier uh, to connect with people, but harder to make a connection. Uh, And that's a conundrum within itself. When you think about it, back in the day in the NBA, you had players um, playing their hearts out with very, very meager accommodations. And they were making a one hundredth of a fraction of what they're making today. Same with the dating world. Back then it was a lot harder to uh, meet people because of the way that the world was set up. But nowadays it's like so easy. You can meet people from the comfort of your home. You don't have to leave the bed. Uh, You have multiple tools at your disposal and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, like I said, you can meet people that you never would have dreamt of meeting. You can inbox your favorite celebrity, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So all of this means that the world is so wide open that you have a plethora of assortment of options. And that makes it so much easier to meet people, but so much harder to meet the right person. Right. It's almost a numbers game now as opposed to an accuracy thing. So you know, the swipe apps have definitely changed that. And I noticed that during the pandemic and during COVID, uh, things really changed. It went from a world where, you know, when we were growing up, the internet was just in its infancy. And so a lot of this stuff was only a theory and it was only being thought of. It was, you know, match.com was really the only thing around. And it was kind of for your doctors, your lawyers, your divorcees, your 40 something, 50 something year olds as an alternative uh, a method of dating or or the only way for a certain uh, class or, or type of person. And now, as time has gone on, it's gone from the alternative to more of an accepted. And now the preference 
it's the preferred method of meeting people and dating. And so uh, I've had a hard time keeping up with that because I was married for 10 years. And so I, I, I saw it. I'm a technology guy. So I was definitely in front of the curve tech, you know, technologically with the apps and, and the dating sites and all that. Uh, but as you have stated to me, there are rules to that game that are just lost on me. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was, uh, at t- there was a time where, you know, Back when the before online dating, there was phone dating where you call right. in, and everything was emphasized on your ability to talk to a woman. But now, before you're even allowed to talk to a woman, you have to look the part. You have to have certain pictures in your your dating profile to uh, show that you've traveled. You're well traveled, and you have to uh, kill a fish to show that you're a hunter <laughs> to take a picture. I mean, I, I hear a lot of women don't like those fish, fish pics, but whatever the case is, there's definitely, uh, just like today's NBA, uh, NBA, you have to shoot threes back in the day. So three was just a, uh, was an option. Right. And now yeah. it's the option. Like, so, right. uh, change it. It's, it's this an evolution of the dating game. That's pretty much what it is. Right. Yep. No, I've had, uh, yeah, we'll get into more of this later in other episodes or perhaps this one, you know, depending where that road goes, but I've had some interesting cases over the last several years that I'd love to share with y'all. And, uh, Rob's been there right along with me as I've tried to prove the point to, uh, not just he, but to everyone else, myself in the world that, uh, the traditional way of meeting people, if not for everyone, for me is still the more effective way. And, uh, you know, the in-person approach method is, is not so welcomed anymore these days, but I still choose to take that approach. So I've got a ton of stories that support that, and I'm sure there are many others that we can bring in to support the other side of it too. And I'm not saying either side's good or bad. Uh, it's just something that I've noticed has changed tremendously and it's been five, six years since my divorce now, and so I've had plenty of time to experience uh, today's dating landscape. And boy, has it changed, man! It ain't 2009 anymore, Rob. <laughs> Definitely isn't, but it must evolve to avoid becoming uh, obsolete. Now, I Absolutely. too, I agree with your philosophy of the uh, in-person um, connection. I prefer it myself, but the times. Just don't allow, you know, as you get older, you you work more, you spend more time with your kids and you just don't really put yourself in position to meet, meet people. It's like the woman of your dreams is not going to knock on your door. Hey, it's me. Uh, uh, You have a cup of coffee. But that actually sounds like a a woman of my wet dreams. But uh, (laughs) that's a different story. (laughs) But uh, you got to figure out how to put yourself in in these people's face if you want to spark that connection. Right. So, but yeah, so we're definitely going to get into the two guards here. Um, so I'm going to start with my number one two guard. Uh, I just wanted to touch on another subject here to add substance and layer to the podcast, but let's get right into what we came here for. My number one two guard of all time. I don't think it's going to be any surprise to anyone. It's been the case for me forever, my whole life. Uh, Michael Jordan's number one near and dear to my heart. He's the GOAT. 
greatest of all time. I could go on for days about stats and, and laying out awards and achievements, but those six titles, those two three-peats, um, I get it. He didn't win for the first five or six years of his career. You can give it to Scotty. You can give it to, to the coaching and Phil and the system, but Mike's a difference maker, man. He's my number one of all time, and I got to go number one with him. All right, cool, cool. Uh, easy easy choice for, for the number one. Um, I'm not a Jordan fan, but I understand. He, he, Jordan. he changed everything. He changed it all. I'm going to go a little bit old school. I'm going with George the Iceman Gervin. Now, not that he's my number one, but I'm going to start with him because George the Iceman Gervin was so cool. I mean, his nickname, the Iceman, he was cold as ice. He was so smooth. He pioneered the, the move, the finger roll. Uh, you've seen some finger rolls that are pretty regular and basic, but George the Iceman Gervin would finger roll it. He'd flick that thing. It'd go so high in the air. It would touch the, it would touch the, the clouds and the sky and the top of the arena. It would hand, the ball would, would touch Jesus' feet. And then it would drop <laughs> straight into the hoop. He averaged so much, uh, so many points. He was a walking bucket. ABA, NBA, uh, he was killing them. Never was known for winning anything. He wasn't a winner. I'm great. Ask anybody that played in that era. George the Iceman Gerber was going to give you an efficient 30 every night. Right on, man. I can't agree more, dude. George Garvin was one of those guys in the 70s that uh, you just really don't think about. Again, those are the forgotten eras that we constantly talk about, but they just didn't get the play time. They didn't get the uh, they didn't get they didn't get the time. You know, we didn't you know, see. You know what I like TV. about him? I'm gonna tell you, I like about George Garvin because he had the build of a wiry, skinny pimp, and he looked like he had a very like crisp backhand where he would just smack one of his hoes or something like that. I just loved the pimp. His name was the Iceman. He talked right. like a pimp, and he had a finger roll. That's like a pimp. If a pimp had a signature move, it would be the finger roll. Well, I mean, silky smooth scorer is kind of what they always call him, right? But 12-time All-Star, yep. I mean, you can't can't disagree with that. He's a Hall of Famer, four scoring titles in 14 years, all-rookie oh. team, 72-73. You really can't right. go wrong. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Number two, I'm going to go with Allen Iverson. He's, uh, I had all the shoes. He's the answer. He's the question. Growing up, he was he was my guy. And yep. you talk about a guy that gets knocked down and gets back up again. That's kind of how I was raised. You get knocked down, you get back up. And growing up as a teenager, he was a big idol of mine. Brought the long shorts and the braids. Yeah. That's, a, that's my guy. It's number two, man. Man, style personified. Um he was swag. He was style. He had the tattoos. He had it all, man. Allen Iverson had the attitude. He was like, what the hip? He was the first rapper basketball player. Like, I mean, he he had a rap career, also. When he tried to, it was it was garbage. It was pure trash. But he tried to rap. But he was the first rapper, uh, rapper type basketball player with the. Everything from the attitude, the cornrows, the tattoos, the baggy clothes, the refusal to practice, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Allen Iverson, all-time go. I'm going to go with, for my number two. I'm going to pick the one, the only, Pistol Pete Marifich. 
Nice pick, Pistol bro. Pete Maravich. Nice pick. Man, this guy right here. Check this out. Now, we're, we're going to get to the pro career, but in college, he averaged, if I remember this correctly, 44 points per game in college. Now, you might say it's easier in college, but there's also less minutes to score 44 points a game in college. This right. man right here, I mean, geez, Louise, the dribbling, the shooting, the passing, an offensive savant. I mean, I don't think he ever played one possession of defense in his entire life. But he didn't need to because sometimes the best defense is a great offense. Pistol Pete could shoot. He could pass. He could dribble. A lot of that fancy play playground stuff you see, he pioneered a lot of it. He, uh, I mean, he was white. I mean, come on, man. He was a white <laughs> assassin. Do you right. know, like, how good you had to be to just – as a white boy, stick out and just destroy. You literally had to, like, destroy. You know, he was not to be played with. And here's the the, the number one thing I, I want to tell you about Pistol Pete. He set the NCAA scoring record at a time when freshmen couldn't play. So that means he scored the most points in NCAA history in three years. They had a guy that played, like, five or six years. I don't know. He was, like, a super senior who almost beat it, but he came four four-point shot, and that's incredible uh, within itself. But to do it in three years, Pistol Pete Maravich never won anything in the league, but uh, I'm telling, in his prime, walking bucket. Fun to watch, fun to play with. Yeah, I mean, five all-star selections, four all-NBAs, he's got a scoring mm -hmm. title, 31.1 mm -hmm. points per game. Never mm -hmm. won an NBA championship, but, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, so – uh, you got to kind of – it supports going on the team. So, why don't you hit him with number three, and then I'll run it back real quick. Number three, I know y'all thought we was tripping. I know you thought we forgot, but I wanted to just put some suspense in the air. We can't go on any further without mentioning Kobe Bean Bryant, the Black oh. Mamba. I didn't even know what a Black Mamba was. I was just like, wow, what a cool name. The Black Mamba. I thought it was a dance or something until I re actually looked it up. It's not a dance. It's not the Mambo. It's the Mamba. The Black Mamba. A snake. A serpent. A killer. Venomous. Kobe Bryant. The thing I like about him most, his work, work ethic. He wasn't the most athletic. He was athletic, but not the most athletic. And he was going in and he was performing at a time where there were other athletes around him. But what separated him was his drive, his tenacity, his determination, his focus, his poise, his unwavering confidence in himself. Kobe Bean Bryant, I'm telling you, the legend, scores points uh, at, a, at a phenomenal rate. Never met a shot he did not like. Uh, or take. Or take. I mean, this guy right here, what what more can you say about Kobe? RIP to him and his daughter. What a tragic loss. Uh, but you talk about Kobe, man. I know you got some Kobe. Legendary work ethic, man. I say the same thing every time, right? And it's yeah. we don't we don't crumple up paper and we're not I mean, I'm a Jordan fan, but I'm not saying Jordan when I'm shooting paper. I'm not saying LeBron when I shoot that paper ball. It's Kobe. Every time I shoot something at a wastebasket, it's Kobe. It's I mean, we know we call him a ball hog. We know he shot the ball a lot, volume shooter, but it's the work ethic. It's a numbers game. And he understood that. You gotta put the minutes on the floor. There's no rest for the weak and the weary. You got to put yeah. the ball in your best player's hands. You got to run the game through them. And he's gonna put the he's gonna put the game and the championship on his shoulders. And he was there first. He was there last. 
Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. All these celebrities passed in my life, and that never affected me once ever. But at 37, 38 years old, when Kobe passed, it hurt, right? As a fan, as an NBA fan, uh, it was the first celebrity to pass. Prince and Michael, uh, Michael Jackson, they all passed. None of that affected me, and Kobe did. And it's because he was such a part of my NBA uh career as a fan growing up now we're named after barbecue chicken after Shaq, and i'm glad that they finally got a chance to mend those wounds and fix that relationship um, i i know he wishes he could have done more he said that multiple times um but hindsight's 2020 right so kobe's got to be in there now remember guys this is no nowhere near in order of our favorite of our top five because obviously kobe should be up there but we just wanted to make sure he's in that list. I, number three, I'm going to go with Reggie Miller because you talk about a guy that climbs in your head, psychological, leader on the court. He did so much more than just drain those threes and, and, and take the ball away when it mattered. He was defending the number one guy. He was in the number one guy's head. It's the only guy, one of the two guys that Michael Jordan was afraid of didn't want to play against uh, because Mike knew that when he played against Reggie, it was it was game time. And Reggie was going to climb in your head, and, and he was going to score, and he was going to score when it mattered. And so if I'm building a team and i got to put two guards in there, uh, remember, we're building a team based off these guys that we pick for these categories. So right. he's a three-shooter. He's clutch. He's going in my top five. He's number three. Man, let me tell you about Reggie Miller. You want to talk about another guy with a pimp build, the slender – pimp build he had a pimp build but there was nothing really pimpish about him he was kind of like awkward and 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 nerdy in my estimation but don't let that fool you this man was a killer reggie miller the killer from three let me tell you about clutch the man routinely embarrassed the knicks he uh he he scored i don't i don't remember but he scored like uh, eight points in like four seconds to beat the Knicks. He snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat. He ruined it. He talked trash to Spike Lee. He killed it. Reggie Miller, the man, the myth. The nice. All right. In essence of time here, because we're butting up against that 22 minutes. That's that magical number we're trying to get to. I'm going to go number four. We're going to go D. Wade. I talk about another guy that's just kind of a dog that's got the hustle that brings it every day. Um, I know he helped Shaq later in his career. Uh, I give a lot of credit. So does Shaq gives a lot of credit to D Wade. That was his team. Uh, bring the heat to that, to that championship. And so grit grind top five, top three, probably all time for me is D Wade. So one of my favorite players, man, I just love his, his smooth style. So I'm gonna let you go ahead and run it back with four and five. I'm gonna step away for a second. So go ahead and be long winded and I'll be back gotcha. in about a minute and a half. Let's talk about um, the man that they call. Uh, uh, what did he just say? I just forgot. Oh, anyway, four and five. <laughs> I was going to talk about who he just said, but I totally forgot who he said. So we're just going to keep it moving. Let's go with um, Ray Allen. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Ray Allen, the old three-point shooter for the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Nope, I'm not talking about that Ray Allen, even though he was effective as well. I'm talking about Seattle Supersonics, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Ray Allen. Ray Allen, who would dunk on you, take it to the hoop and dunk in your face. He had the dribbles, the ball handle. 
another guy not known for his defense, but offensively, man, this man had game. In fact, they made a movie where he starred in called He's Got Game. Excuse me, He Got Game. Got to keep it hood. He Got Game. In the movie, he was named Jesus Shuttlesworth, the black Jesus, because he was that good. I mean, let me tell you about Ray Allen, man. Y'all don't know. I know y'all see him. Y'all think he's just some old ball head dude shooting threes. And he turned into that. That was his role later in his career. But early in his career, check the highlights. He was dunking on people. He was taking it to the rim with ferocity. I mean, he was dribbling, crossing people over, complete offensive game. And speaking of Jesus Shuttlesworth, the character he played and he got game, that character was named after my number five pick. And this man right here gets overlooked countlessly. I mean, this is one of the most underrated basketball players in NBA history because he had to sacrifice his scoring prowess to win championships with the Knicks. I'm talking about the one, the only original black Jesus, the original Pearl, Vernon Earl Monroe. Yes, Earl of Pearl Monroe offensive dynamo i mean this guy right here y'all have no idea who was earl the pro monroe let me give you a little bit of info on earl pearl monroe went to winston Salem, winston salem state university also uh was drafted by the baltimore bullets i mean this man right here when you watch him play he did a lot of spin moves. He was like a tornado on the court. Like look at some of the highlights of Earl the Pearl Monroe. He's dribbling. He's twirling. They called him Black Jesus because when he got into the lane, it would open up. The seas would part. You know what I'm saying? Like Moses. Nothing. I got nothing bad to say about Earl the Pearl Monroe. He also Earl reminds me of Pearl. He also reminds me of a '70s pimp, and uh, he scored a lot of buckets. Went and got New York Knicks championships with Walt Clyde Frazier, another pimp. A lot of pimping going on in the 70s. But this is the reason why Earl the Pearl stands out. He was a, a dynamic scorer who sacrificed his game for the greater good and helped the Knicks, the sorry, trash Knicks, win two championships in the 70s. Man, Earl Monroe, right? One of the better guards of the late 60s and 70s. Listen to me, I'm the stat guy today. Four All-Star Game appearances, Rookie of the Year award. He did win a championship, though, during his 14-year career. So, you know, that that's Was it one uh, or two? Did he get one or two? Was it... He got one. He got, okay, he got, got one. One, one NBA right. championship during his 14-year career. Okay. Hall of Famer, 18.8 okay. points a game, yeah. just shy of four assists, uh, an efficient 80.7%. 80.7% from the free throw line, so not bad, right, from the two-guard right. spot. So right. that's a respectable, uh, you know, position there, So or, or free throw percentage. So, yeah, man, uh, super solid pick. Was that number four or was that number five? Sorry, I stepped that away for a second. That was my five. I was going to talk about your four, and I didn't remember it until right now. Uh, Dwayne Wade, I never really liked Dwayne Wade, but I knew he was good, and I knew he was a special talent. I still don't like him. Something about him irks my soul, but Dwayne Wade, <laughs> I forgot about you because I brought you <laughs> out of my mind, but you are worthy of one of the greatest shooting guards in NBA history, and I'm going to tell you right now, he won't be my pick. I, I will not pick Dwayne Wade. He's kind of in the James <laughs> Harden category of shooting guards that I never liked. 
don't like nothing about him. I don't like his face. I don't like his dribbling. I don't like his passing. I don't like his his attitude. I don't like the car he drives. I don't like nothing about Dwayne Wade or James Harden. You can interchange him. You can call him Dwayne Harden or you can call him James Wade. I don't like either one of them. And I hope James <laughs> Harden never wins. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Tangent. Right on, brother. Go on your tangent. So, last episode, the first time we did this, I actually hit you with a pick that I can't even pick him because I decided after the fact I should move him to my sixth man. So, I'm going to save him for that list. So, if I had to pick a fifth point guard, all-time favorite, again, I like shooters, uh, another guy that no one is ever going to expect here, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Allen Houston. Okay. Average dude. Average guy, but when it comes to shooting threes, he had one of the sweetest, smoothest shots of all time. I got enough stars on this list. I mean, again, this is nowhere near my greatest shooting guards of all time, but I'm just kind of put a list together here of guys that I liked growing up. Allen Houston was one of those guys that I always respected, could shoot the ball when it mattered, just kind of showed up every game, didn't complain. He's a good team, good system guy, and a solid starter. Just some guy that you want on your team, right? And so three Facts. and D. Facts. Allen Allen uh Houston uh is the kind of guy in today's league would average thirty a game. I mean, easily. Right. I mean, he's just had a smooth stroke. He was one of them dudes who had pretty misses. Like when you when you shot it, even if you missed, you'd be like, Man, that was a good shot. Wow, what a pretty shot. Like, I'm trying to tell you, Allen, he was a pretty guy. He was just a pretty player. Well, oh. yeah, not not to not to mention his his GQ looks. He was you just know? a model out there with a model <laughs> shot. It was just, uh, it was like it was like he, somebody created him. Um, yeah, it was. I think one of my ex girlfriends had a crush on Alan Houston, so I never really liked him. I automatically hate the people that my uh, girlfriends have crushes on. It's just kind of in my DNA. I, I know you're not supposed to be a hater, but that's just kind of how I roll. So I never liked him. Now that I'm older and I, I got rid of her and he's a little older and a little more crusty, I can like him. But back in the day, I hated him. But I give him all of his props. Shooter Supreme, Allen Houston, <laughs> the man. <laughs> well, that's funny because later later on down the line, I wanted to introduce a segment called Drinking the Haterade. And I was right. going to actually ask you on this episode, was there anybody in your life that's hating on you or anyone that you're hating on? But I think we got enough James Harden, Dwayne Wade, and Allen Houston hate oh, to go more. around for a month. There's more. <laughs> we got to make that. that Rob's, got a, Rob's, Rob's got a six-pack of Haterade just sitting I in the fridge. six-pack. <laughs> oh, delicious. Listen, Electrolytes. Man. Yeah. I've had put I've had plenty of girlfriends uh over the years. You know, I was married once for ten years and she had several crushes from T V shows on celebrities along the way. And um I think it's different how you feel about it when you're married versus when it's just like a girl you're not all that serious with. It, when I was married, I guess it didn't really matter. I'm like, we're married, we got kids. It's so serious. Have your little crushes. That's cute. I got them too. But when I got a girlfriend, it don't matter how old I am. I'm like, oh yeah, what's he got on me? Oh yeah, you gonna leave? Oh yeah, you gonna go to Hollywood and write him a right. letter and get on his team? <laughs> right, right, right. It, to me, it makes a bigger difference. Like, depending where you're at in that situation, but. Uh, it's far-fetched no matter how you look at it i mean obviously most of us layman folks aren't walking up most of our girls ain't walking up to celebrities and no alan houston's and getting on the team so right right 
But this yeah, but yeah, twenty-eight minutes, brother. I think that about sums it up for our top five shooting guards. Uh, we're gonna come back with the three guards uh, for the next episode, and uh, or th- the three guards, the small forward position, right, right. and uh, it's almost a three guard in today's NBA these days. So everything's a guard, four guard, yeah. five guard. <laughs> <laughs> They're all guards these days. So uh, that's about it. I'm KMFN. That's Rob C Q, and uh, that's it for Ad Nicole. We out. Yeah.